Hello, Microbial Nation, and welcome to another episode of The Microbe Moment, the show that brings you down to the microscopic level to view the world just a little bit differently. I'm your host, Tess. And I'm John. And I'm Julie. And today is sort of like a part two. So if you hadn't listened to our previous episode, we talked a lot about Viome. We're doing this little experiment amongst the three of us to understand how these personal microbiome companies will analyze our data and the differences that we find within them. So if you haven't listened to it, we did do a little bit of a review on Viome. We dug into our results a little bit. That was the previous episodes. And today we're going to be focusing mostly on Zoe. So we'll introduce the company, what we had as experiences, some of our results that we had, and then kind of wrap it up by giving you what our recommendation would be between Zoe and Viome. Sound good to everybody? Sounds good to me. Sounds good. All right. So let's get started with some facts on Zoe. Zoe is one of the leading, like Viome, is one of the leading gut microbiome, personal gut microbiome analyzers, companies. So they will take your poop that you send to them and they will analyze it for your microbiome. They consist of world-leading scientists from some very well-known colleges and universities, such as Harvard, don't know if you ever heard of it, Stanford, and King's College in London. So these is, and it's actually pretty unique. I think on their website, you can see all the scientists who work on this project, and basically everyone comes from very good background. All of them have PhDs, I think, so it's pretty impressive how transparent their website is. Zoe, does anyone know what Zoe means? I do not. I thought that was a Muppet on Sesame Street. Oh, it was a Muppet on Sesame Street, huh? I think so. Not when I was a kid. That's one of the newfangled ones. Like a purple one or something. Anyways, Zoe actually means life in Greek, which makes a lot of sense because they are analyzing the life or lives that exist within your gut microbiome. And while Zoe may be new to the public interface, it is not a new idea. Zoe actually started or got its roots some 25 years ago when their founder, Tim Spector, who's a professor of genetic epidemiology at King's College in London. So 25 years ago, Tim Spector was researching twins, not microbiome. But he wasn't looking at how twins were the same, rather how they were different. And specifically, he was interested in how twins could have virtually the same genes, but they would have different responses to food. And this eventually led him into the study of gut microbiomes and to establishing this company, which analyzes the gut microbiomes of anyone who will pay for it pretty much. I found it was interesting that they, you know, they're trying to get more people to participate so that they can learn more about it. So I, I think that that's a really fascinating piece of what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And that's an interesting point and a point that we should put out here is it is sort of like at this point, the more data people have, the better that they can understand and start correlating different microbes to different functions in our guts and our bodies. So it is something that you pay into and you are sending them data and that data is helping to both you and future participants to understand their own bodies and what makes everybody unique. But it's a little bit more than just sending your poop. It depends on 
what you purchase, because what we purchased wasn't just getting our microbiome analysis. We went further. We were part of a research study with uh, Zoe. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the the Zoe experience, because it was a little bit different than the Viome experience. Right, like at the beginning, it was just like the Viome experience. You you take a, a poop sample and you send it out. However, there's this whole other aspect that you can add on where it measures your blood sugar for about two weeks, if I remember, right? Yeah. So you get a a blood glucose monitor, which is this little round disc, and you kind of punch it into, not really punch it, but you snap it into the back of your arm. And the idea is it has a little needle and it will look at your blood glucose levels over the course of two weeks. Yeah. We both flinched because we had no idea what we were getting into. And then it just like, I didn't, did you feel it? I didn't feel it. Yeah, I thought it was going to hurt a lot more than it did, but it was not too shabby at all. Yeah, and I think just just for reference, people, um, you've probably seen people with those on their arms. Um, It's the same thing that a diabetic is using to measure their blood uh, glucose uh, steadily. Uh, And basically, it's, it's in the back of your arm, and you basically wave your phone over the, the little disc and it gives you your blood sugar. Um, I really loved this part of the experiment because I found it quite fascinating and I was actually kind of bummed to take the, uh, the monitor off. Yeah, and I think this is something that you can get at the pharmacy. I think you can just go down to a CVS or a Walgreens or anywhere and pick up a blood glucose monitor and get the... You can't, not the, the those ones that are in your skin. Uh-huh. The, those ones um, you have to have a prescription for and not everybody is eligible for them. So uh, okay. if you are a diabetic, um, your doctor can prescribe it, but it's not it's not eligible for everybody. Yeah. Is my understanding. Okay. Yeah, I imagine pretty soon they got to be open to, to more people because I think this is something that as I've read other reviews from people that really enjoyed it and you can glean a lot of information from your blood glucose levels. Yeah, I think it's definitely not just for diabetics. I think, you know, they're starting to discover that um, we should all have a, an idea of how food affects our blood sugar um, and it really does affect our whole body um, so it's an important kind of thing to know. And like I said, I just found it was very fascinating. Mm. Yeah. And so some people will have their blood glucose escalate when they have sugar. Some people will have it escalate when they have bread. And so sort of the understanding of whether or not a cracker or a cookie is going to spike your blood glucose levels more. And from that information, you can then adapt your diet and kind of understand what foods are actually bad for you and your body and that's what uh zoe kind of did with this experiment i think it was like three meals that you had to eat were these specialized muffins that they had designed in addition to that they were dense muffins they were dense muffins and they measured your blood sugar spikes throughout the throughout a what probably three hour time period i think Three to four, if I remember. But then they're like, okay, well, for the next two weeks, you can do a set of all these different experiments, and then you have to input it and tell them. And it could be like, well, I'm going to eat a, I'm going to fast for eight hours, and then I'm going to eat a slice of bread. I'm going to fast, then I'm going to eat a serving of peanut butter, or fast and do 
bread and peanut butter. There's all these combinations that they allowed you to do just to see how your blood sugar will spike and fall. And ideally, your blood sugar is not really going to go high and then low. Ideally, it's going to remain relatively stable throughout those processes. Is is, is processes is, is. still stuck there? <laughs> yeah. So I think that was really cool. You could actually do your own experiments and experiment on your own body in a safe way and sort of glean a little bit more understanding. So in your guys' experiences, is is is. Uh, having the blood glucose monitor in your arm and eating different foods. Did you have certain foods? Did you find certain foods that ultimately escalated your blood glucose levels out of range? Or did you ever dip below and the bottom? Did you learn? What did you learn? I think I dipped rarely. I can't remember exactly what my blood sugar was doing at the time because they don't if I, they don't send you exactly the results. Like, well, they send you your average, they give you a score, but they don't send you like for every meal that you put in, the results you get back. So I can remember maybe two or three times I went really low, but other than that, I think I was kind of stable or within this range that they give you. And I think, um, I think that the, the experience when we got the boxes, you know, it was, it was, quite a bit more involved than, um, than the other tests that we did. Cause it had like the muffins, it had a, a kind of a stricter, okay, we need you to do this and this and this. And then you sent in the, the poop sample, but you also sent in the results and they were, they could basically check those from your phone. And then there was the other piece, um, where they sent like those, they called them their scientific proprietary muffins, and they would tell you the schedule to eat those. And there was also a blood test as well. So we also had to follow a certain protocol as far as eat these and then X amount of time later, um, you know, prick your finger and they provided all of the stuff. And I think that the instructions were very clear um, and they tried to educate you about everything that you were that you were doing you know, so you, you did the blood test and it was all like on a piece of paper, you would like kind of drop the blood on this paper, send that to them. And then they sent us all these results back that didn't really have like the daily stuff from your glucose monitor. Cause it was running basically all the time, but it did um, for me, cause I'm older than you guys, um, probably also more overweight than you guys. So my results were not great. I do have um, signs of insulin resistance, meaning that my blood sugar can spike in both directions. It was usually spiking in the upwards, which I know is is not good for your body system. So um, that is something that, uh, like you said, with those experiments, I really enjoyed, you know, okay, well, that piece, eating a piece of white bread, that's not so great. But when I combine that with peanut butter, then my blood sugar did not spike so much. So I think that, and they do a really good job explaining like what each one of those little experiments is supposed to prove to you. And and I, I thought it was uh, well done. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed eating all the white bread because I never get a chance to do that. And that just having lots of peanut butter, that's great. So Julie, did you find any of the foods that you had sp- spiked your glucose levels? Like was it bread or was it bananas? Do you remember? Pretty much everything um, I had that was high in sugar or processed foods all were were pretty good at causing spikes. I found that some of the 
Fruits would also do the same thing. Bananas uh, were, were something that caused my sugar to spike somewhat. But yeah, it was, it was mostly like eating carbs, donuts, stuff like that, that was, you know, that would cause the real big spikes. But interestingly, if you combine those foods with something else that tempers that, then you find that your blood sugar isn't spiking because of the additional food. So I think that's like super interesting. Yeah. So when I did mine, the only time that my mine spiked out of range and then dipped out of range some hours later was when I went out to eat and had two cocktails and some greasy food and churros, which I think it's pretty good that I could do all that and just barely get out of the the uh, insulin range there. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. So what do you have for your guys' results that you want to share? What's your biggest takeaway from what you found there? Actually, I have I have one more thing I want to say on the experience of Zoe uh, that I think is a sort of interesting point that might be of interest to other people who might be interested in trying out Zoe. So the other thing that Zoe had that Viram did not have is they had all these little mini lessons, which were very much like Noom, if you've ever done Noom. Um, so I've done Noom in the past. I found that Zoe's little mini lessons were pretty much on par with what Noom was saying. Uh, so it does sort of have this weightless psychology aspect to it and trying to refocus how we have our relationship with food, which a lot of diets put a real negative relationship with food and a lot of people struggle with that uh, so Zoe does have all these little mini lessons I think they last for six weeks or maybe 12 weeks and they're just five minute lessons that try to get you to work with food and and have a better relationship with your body and food and your gut microbiome and I think it's important also to say that you know so once you sent in all of your materials which included, um, so you download an app on your phone. And so you have on your phone, that's where you get these little lessons. And then they want you to uh, log your food for the day. And before what, like when you send your stuff in, they really haven't talked a lot about their point system and how it's all going to shake out. So what they send you back in via email are a couple of PDF reports. A couple, it's and, like 150 pages. Yes, yeah, yeah, they're they're quite extensive and they explain, you know, this, you know, here's what we're talking about now and it talks about your blood fat control and why that matters to you and then it tells you your score um for so for like my blood fat control um, I was in the poor range, you know, and they have it, you know, kind of orange, yellow, green, and real green. Um, so you can kind of see easily where you fit on the scale. And then they also compare you to other people of similar age and gender. So you can kind of see where you fit. So for like for my blood fat control, which was basically done from the eating of their muffins and then doing the, the blood drop test. So I stuck my finger and put my blood on the, on the tester. That's kind of where they got that from. So the range for people, my age and gender was 28 to 62 and mine is 25. So I am below that average for that one. So that I don't process, you know, my blood fat control is not as good as it should be. And then it tells you, you know, how, how did we come up with that? And then you know, is that something that you can change? 
And obviously they say, of course you can, but there's no magic pill. You have to, you know, eat higher quality food, lose weight, get more exercise and the things that we know that we have to do. Which is generally why diets and microbiome don't work because people will do what people do and it's never following a diet that's good for you. Mm. Yeah, those are the way they calculate their the blood fat and sugar control, like they also took into account your medical history that you gave. And uh, at least for the sugar, they also took into account the two weeks that you had the blood sugar monitor on as well. And it's kind of interesting because like Julie was alluding to the foods you eat, give like a point system and it ranges. And you and I were wondering is like, we were eating the similar things, but we'd have different points for that food. And obviously the higher points, the better it is for you. And I found out that it was based off of the information we gave them, our age, our sex, and then everything that uh, nutritional factors of like metagenomic analysis of the different people that have done this. It's more individualized. Like, is it better for you than say someone else? Or are you going to react better to it? And also like your microbiome analysis plays a factor in it too. Yeah, and we've said this a couple times on the podcast that these individual microbiome packages kits that you can get is opening the doors for the future of medicine in a lot of ways. And your data is going to contribute to that and contribute to giving better, more personalized information. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and they do a good job in the packet to to kind of show you and, and illustrate, you know, they give you two people, one who has, you know, blood sugar control that is bad, one that's good and fat control the same, like, so they're different. And then they show how eating, you know, a banana for one person is going to give them a lower score. I think the illustrations of it are really easy to understand and the concepts are kind of complicated, but I think they really do a good job of kind of um, getting it down on a level that we can all understand. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the actual microbiome that we had and what they what we came up with there. So in mine, my gut diversity was actually a little bit low, even though everything else in my health-wise looked pretty good. So they, they kind of list their 15 good microbes and they have 15 bad microbes and they name them, which I like. Um, but again, like we don't know so so much about why certain microbes are good or why certain microbes are bad, especially because they're all interacting in our guts. And that's going to be different for different people. But Zoe's bases their microbiome on the fact of do you have these 15 good or 15 bad microbes? And in my case, I had, I think, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I had eight of the 15 good bugs, and I had five of the 15 bad bugs. But I had an overall uh, gut health score of 79, which was pretty good. So they, they do talk about the beneficial parasite, blastocystis, which they said could probably help you deplete your visceral fat. Um, so I did have this beneficial parasite. I did not. Or did I? But I do not think it's burning too much of my visceral fat. <laughs> so that means that the, like, the different parasites are going to do different things. We have good microbes. We have bad microbes. How many good and bad microbes did you guys have? Um, I did not do that well. I had, um, for the 15 good bugs, the only two that I am in good shape with are Felicia. I'm not even going to try the name. 
um, and Oscar, which is, I'm not even going to try that name either. Uh, but those are the only two I was in the green with. Um, the rest I had not, you know, they were low. Um, so yeah, I didn't do very well on my, on my gut microbiome. So I had six of the good bugs, five of which were, uh, either high or very high. And then five of the bad bugs, which gave me a score of 56. And also my diversity was 103 and it was in the lower 25%. Yeah. So with that, I hope everyone has a little bit of an overview now of what Zoe is, what your experience can come from it, and what your results may be. But I also just want to point out that neither Zoe or Viam are sponsoring this podcast, but we do have a sponsor for this episode, and it is Zymo Research. So microbiome testing companies like Viome and Zoe often rely on Zymo Research for customized sample collection kits and microbiome sequencing services. You can learn more about Zymo's custom microbiome solutions at ZymoResearch.com. That's Z-Y-M-O-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com. Now, I want to show you guys something a little special. I got a little surprise for y'all, which will not be a super surprise to our audience, I suppose, because they're not going to be able to see it, but I can show you guys. I was able to get our results in an Excel file. Thanks so much to the Zoe researchers for sending that over to me. And then I was able to compile our results together and create some little graphs for us to look at and talk about for the second half. So this will get us into a little bit of how researchers analyze microbiome. And we'll talk a little bit about the different graphs that you can create. Uh, so hopefully this won't get too technical for people, but give an idea of some of the visuals that you can create with your own microbiome data. All right. So this is our basic data visualization of our amplicon sequencing from our Zoe microbiome. So basically what our experiment is, is that it's not really, it's not a great experiment because we don't have replicates. We are just, we sent in one sample. Uh, we're three different individuals. I live with John, so we have a shared microbiome in a lot of those senses as we share a lot of spaces together. I am Julie's daughter, so we are related. And so we have a shared microbiome there. And then Julie and I are both female, so there are some certain, that all is called metadata in the world of microbiome. So these are additional factors that can help us understand how microbiomes are different between different people based on factors of their life. As we were mentioning before about diversity, we can look at diversity simply as a count of the different taxa or different microbes that we were found. So as far as number of microbes, John had, what did you just say you had, 100, 103? Yeah. I had 106 and Julie had 83, so a little bit lower in diversity there. But we can start to understand more because it's not just a numbers game. We want to understand the taxa and how that might differ as well. So there is this thing called a beta diversity plot, which is something that we often use in microbiome analysis. And the point is when you have it, it places 
dots on a scale on a graph and the farther away each dot represents one person's microbiome or one sample and then the further away the dots are the more different they are in their microbial composition. So when I do a beta diversity on our three samples, which again is far too small to actually draw any correlations, but we're using it here as an educational purposes, we can see that I am actually further away than to John and Julie than they are to each other, which is interesting because I share more in common with John and Julie than John and Julie share together. Yeah, it kind of looks like I'm close to being in the middle between the two of you. Yeah, so you're kind of in the middle. And again, if we look at it as uh, simply diversity, I had the highest diversity, uh, and then you were somewhere in the middle, and then uh, mom was on, or Julie was on the other spectrum. So we can start to pull different things here as we go through. And then we can look at the taxonomy names that we assign to the different microbes that we have. So this is, if we look at the three data sets together, so my microbiome, Julie's microbiome, and John's microbiome, there are certain taxa that we can find in all three of our, or certain microbes that we can find in all three of our microbiomes at a high abundance. So for instance, the microbe Parasinitsi, which I've never heard of before, is found in 11.4% of the entire data set amongst the three of us. Dorii is another one that was found in all three of us at 9.35%. Um, so Bacteroidetes is a common one, and uh, amongst our three microbiomes, we can find it in about 8%, 8% of the total data set. So we can really get into understanding what is common between the three of us, but also what is different, which is this final plot that I will show is a taxonomy bar chart. So this is your typical bar chart, but everything is colored based on the different ranks that we have. And so you can see, and we'll make a blog post if you're interested, we'll make a blog post and we'll have these graphs there as well if you'd like to look a little bit more into what we were talking about and discussing uh, and understand a little bit about what microbiome data sets can look like. So here we can see that we have, oh, obium, isn't that your, um, your special friend? Yeah, from my previous work, we got Blausia obium. Mm -hmm. You may, yours may be a little bit higher than mine, actually. I swear I wasn't chugging any of, <laughs> of that culture in my previous job. And we have Doriae, and we have Vicalibacterium prasnitzii, and all three of us again. And that's actually a, a beneficial bacteria for producing short-chain fatty acids, which are good for your gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of what we have for our gut microbiome. So I will post some photos for anybody who wants to know. You can check them out at microbigales.com in a upcoming blog post. So before we wrap up, I just wanted to get everyone's opinion on what they would recommend between Zoe and Viome. But we're not going to do it as a whole because I don't think that's entirely fair because I do think they are very different. So if someone was looking for better customer service, would you recommend Zoe or Viome? Just one word, John. Zoe. Zoe. If someone was looking for the most amount of data, which would you recommend, Zoe or Viome? Zoe. Zoe also. If someone was looking for ease of use of the product and the subsequent understanding of the data, which would you recommend? Definitely Zoe. 
Yeah. If someone was looking for a weight loss solution, which would you recommend? Theoretically, I would say Zoe. Why theoretically? I didn't see much weight loss when I tried it. So would you recommend neither? Uh... I didn't really tr- follow um, Viome's recommendation, so I can't uh, give an honest answer to that. But you did try their probiotics. Which didn't work for me either. Mm-hmm. So it's a toss-up on my end. Julie, do you have an opinion? I think uh, just for ease of understanding and, and the way that they explain things, I think Zoe uh, for weight loss. And if someone was looking for an option that was Better for their wallet, which would you recommend? Hmm. Julie, you take this one. I need to think about it for a second. I think, Zoe, uh, I do think you get more bang for your buck. I would say that the the Viome was more technical, but their expectation, I think, was that they're going to customize, you know, some supplements for you um, and that you would buy the supplements through um, Viome, which I did not do, so I don't have any experience with that. So I guess if you're just looking of what's in your gut, I would lean towards Viome, but understanding everything as a whole and getting a better picture, I would say Zoe is better for the budget. It is more expensive, but you're getting more out of it for sure. Yeah. And I guess we can talk just a little bit on their price tiers and the different ways that they look at selling their products. So Viome sells the product as a one sample. You get all your microbiome, you get all your data. And Zoe does more of a subscription base. So you get it for either four months or six months or 12 months. And it's about at four months is the most popular one for Zoe. And it is a pretty comparable to Viome. Viome does have a lot of sales as well, I would say. I don't know if I've seen Zoe have too many sales but that doesn't mean that they don't. So I would say they're pretty comparable in that end. So it does sound like overall people would say Zoe over Viome. Is that correct in your opinions? Yes, I would say that. Is there any any areas that you felt Viome was superior to Zoe? Like I said, I think um, Viome went into a little more detail about like how each one of the things affects the microbiome in science detail, which I thought was pretty interesting. And it did kind of concentrate on like these pathways. So like, you know, certain your protein pathway and your fat pathway. So I, I, I really felt that the information from Viome was, was really interesting and worthwhile to read. I, I did um, enjoy participating in that one as well. Yeah, I would say Viome definitely has more of a technical, more of a raw sense of what the data is, whereas Zoe did a little bit more distilling of the data and made it a little bit more user-friendly for uh, people that don't have experience in the microbiome. So that is the end of our show. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope you continue listening. And if you're curious... Take one of the tests. Maybe not even one of the companies are talking about, you know, see what's going on in your gut. There's definitely others out there. And whatever you find, I'm sure we'll give you some information that'll be helpful. And let us know what you find. And if you found Zoe or Viome helpful or a third party that we did not test. 
So we will be wrapping up our gut microbiome series pretty soon. We will be talking about the bomb, the best of microbiology, and an upcoming episode that will focus solely on recent advances in gut microbiota. We may also fill in with a interview or two with some top tier scientists in the gut microbiome world. And then after that, we're moving on to a new subject of astro microbiology, because we have all been obsessed with the James Webb telescope. Right. If, 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 if you'd like to get a little spacey with us, as I sometimes am, join us in a few weeks for astro microbiology series. Until next time. Feed your mind, feed your guts, make your microbes love you lots. Bye. Bye.